it is time for the weekly rant where Will and I will go through some of the latest news and basically whatever the hell else we want to in crypto. Will, how are you, mate? Good, Simon. I found a really cool Reddit post the other day and credit to Reddit for collecting all of these really cool responses from different people. And what this Redditor did was he asked a whole bunch of people what their biggest regrets were in crypto. And the reason we have it in this show is because it's super educational, I think, and it's really nice because sometimes we're in crypto and we think, ah, this is just me, this happened to me, but 500 responses compiled here that we're going to read out to you. The first one is not taking profit with 59 mentions of people just saying, I wish I took profit when the market was high, but I didn't. What do you think about that one, Simon? I think anybody who's going through their first cycle, their biggest regret will be not taking profits. Anybody going through their second cycle, their biggest regret will be not taking enough profits. So this is something that's always going to come up for everybody because obviously if you sold everything at the top, took all your profits and then bought back at the lows, happy days, you're a genius, but that never happens. So not taking profits, not taking enough profits. That was certainly one of my regrets from 2021. So definitely resonate with that one. Definitely feel that one. And yeah, everybody keep that in mind. You have to take profits in this market. Otherwise, you're going to be left sad. Mm -hmm. And I think it's related to the second one, which is overconfidence, because uh, in a bear market, everybody thinks that sort of uh, they made a whole bunch of mistakes in bottom token is going down. But then the converse happens in a bull market where everybody forgets that a bear is going to happen. And they all think they're a genius because almost everything that they invest in is shooting up. And this is kind of related to a really cool post by a really good uh, blogger called Tasha Labs. Uh, we might link the link below. She's got really great insights, but she said that if you do invest in the right season in that you try and get in before the bull and you hold on during the bull, it's kind of really hard to make a mistake as long as you make sure you to exit because everything kind of goes up in the bull. But then the problem is that everybody gets overconfidence and they don't take profits. And there we are. Like, <laughs> really good lesson there. Everyone thinks the price will keep going up forever. You know, once the party's going and prices are going crazy, no one wants the party to stop. And so that always takes a hold of your emotions. So just like people are probably feeling the down emotions of being in a bear, probably feeling the down emotions of holding coins that have just you know lost all their value. The opposite effect is going to occur when your token is skyrocketing price and you are sitting there looking at your phone, doing the sums of how much money you've made. That's greed coming to in place. That's your overconfidence thinking it's always going to keep going up. So really big issue when we're in yeah really crazy season of the bull market i'm still guilty of that you know i definitely still sit there and think price is going to keep going up i don't want the party to stop so you need some strategies behind it to really help you stop being greedy i guess mm, yep but then the strategies usually go out the window and uh, related to the next one is that uh, investing in shit coins, I've been guilty of this. I know not to buy shit coins and not so much today, but in the past, I've definitely been caught up in the excitement and I've heard of some new token and being at work, I go, holy moly, I don't have time to read this damn white paper. This token is shooting up to the moon. Off I go, get home and... Uh, buy up this token only to realize maybe a week later, maybe even two days later that I was investing in a shit coin. <laughs> ah, the good old buyer's regret. Yeah, look, this is yeah. where having some rules in place would probably help you. And 
especially when things are going a little bit crazy, that's when people start to go further out the risk curve. You've started making some good money on Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, you've seen your portfolio double or triple or something like that. You start thinking you're a genius, you start thinking you're really clever, you start taking more risk and you're willing to, you know, go down the path of low market cap shitcoin without doing the proper research because again, you kind of think you're a genius. So hard to stop this when your emotions are in drive, but the best thing is to have rules around it. Make sure you only have a certain amount that you put into these kind of things. Very much so have targets when you're getting out of it. Try and avoid them as best you can. Do a bit more research into it to have a bit more confidence in it. You know, have a bit of conviction in the project before jumping in. And I think the best bit of advice I've got when it comes to buy, buyer's regret is if you think about buying something, sleep on it. And then if the next morning you still feel like it, then okay, go, go and gamble. A hundred percent, because that rule actually prevents people from making rash judgments. And the thing is, crypto does feel like an emergency sometimes, but when you really... I think, think about it. And when I look back at all of my previous purchases, the ones that have done really well are the ones that actually slept on it and thought about it, did my research. And it's kind of related to the next point where a lot of the regrets come from listening to hype and influencers. When you go to YouTube, there's all of these guys who pump the next thing and it's always a hundred X and a thousand X. Here's the next thousand X coin and da, 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 you've got to go get it now. And these guys are paid by people to do this or they're bag holders and just want to offload. And and it looks like looks like it affects a lot of people and it's uh, i guess the top five and biggest regrets is listening to these hundred and thousand x influencers out there yeah i think it's just carefully choose who you listen to because everyone knows to a degree that you know it's do your own research at your own risk kind of stuff but people don't necessarily live by that per se they build up a level of trust with someone and they take action based off that trust. And there's even an element where I am worried about what you and I talk about, Will, because we build up a level of trust with people and people very well may go and buy without doing any research based off what we talk about. And it's something that always kind of worries me in general and always, I guess, makes me concerned or maybe articulate really carefully what projects I want to talk about and how I want to talk about them. So... I guess that's my personal view of it is that yes, I, I am in this path of influencing people. So something I've got to be careful of, but for the listener, I guess, choose carefully who you listen to choose based off, I guess a bit more influence, someone that you, you actually believe and trust. You know, I think everyone knows when someone's really just hyping something and chilling something. So Use your judgment, use your gut and really understand who you're listening to. And again, sleep on it. Mm. And it actually does come to the next one. You said use your gut. And this one is a, a lot of regrets come from ignoring red flags and initial instincts. And that's the thing in that a lot of the times when something seems too good to be true, there's usually a gut feeling that says, oh, I'm not sure whether I should do this. Or in the least, I'm not sure if I should put this much into it. I can totally understand putting in a hundred bucks, 200 bucks in some project that you haven't really done a lot of research in. You park a little bit of money in there in the meanwhile, so you can do your research and it's incentive to actually research $10,000 into a non-research project. Usually the alarm bells of most humans would just be like bringing, should I be mortgaging the house on this new thing that I haven't looked into? And, and it's a sign 
doesn't matter whether you're even in Ethereum or Bitcoin. If you're not feeling comfortable, take that money out and just listen to your instincts and that way you can sleep better. Yeah, there's so many projects out there. So if there's something that hits a red flag for you, why take the risk? Go look at another project. There's just so many opportunities out there that if you've got the time to research some of these things like that, I know not everyone has the time and that makes it hard and people get just, I guess, caught up in the hype. But if you've got the time and you find a red flag, move on to the next one because there's no point mm -hmm. in taking that risk. It's not going to help your emotions. It's not going to help you sleep well at night. So just don't take the risk. There's two regrets left. And I feel like the last one is more worth mentioning first in that they regret falling for scams or untrustworthy platforms. And I think that kind of covers pretty much a few of the points that we've already talked about in that if you do look into your gut and if you do sleep on it, uh, I think you, you can keep yourself from falling to scams. But I really like the last one in that it says not having a clear exit strategy. What do you think of that one, Simon? <laughs> Something I'm very vocal of and very prominent talking about is that you have to have an exit strategy. You have to have a goal in mind of what you're trying to achieve. Why are you investing? Why are you trying to make money for? You know, there's people that say, you know, just buy Bitcoin, hold it forever. Well, that's dumb. Why are you going to hold it forever? Like, what are you going to do with it? All you do is sit there and hold it. You've, you're mm -hmm. investing. You're delaying consumption, which is what investing is. Instead of spending your money now on something you can have now, you're delaying that consumption. It's delayed gratification so that you can have something better in the future. That's the idea. So you need to have that strategy. You need to know what that goal is so you can actually exit. And then you've got to put some smarts around it. You know, don't just say, oh, I want to turn $1,000 into $10 million and I'll just leave it there till it does because that's not going to work. So then you've got to be realistic about your strategy. And then you've got to find out how you're going to blend your strategy to achieve that goal. Maybe you've got to change the goal because you realize $1,000 into $10 million is just not going to happen. But that's what a clear exit strategy is. And executing on it, that's the hard one as well. That goes back to the greed and not taking profits element. It all kind of comes together. If you don't have that exit strategy and you don't act on it because greed comes into it, yeah, you're in trouble. So exit strategies are important. I think the biggest convincer for an exit strategy is knowing that the market is going to go down and knowing that then you start to realize that holy moly, uh, based on history, when it goes down, it goes down really hard, 20, 30, 40, 90% for some tokens. And armed with this knowledge, I think an exit strategy becomes obvious because I think what keeps us from even uh, selling a little bit of Bitcoin when we're in the bull run is that, oh my God, this thing's going to go up forever. But then the truth is that uh, even if you sell it at 80% off of the top, 70%, if I ever do manage that, I think that'll be such a good place because I know that the market is going to drop way below that. Uh, if history is anything to go by, I know past doesn't always predict the future, but <laughs> history rhymes. Um, and so this is what gets me to exit. Uh, towards the mid and towards the end of a bear, that's when I exit. And I think just knowing it's going to go down, it's the biggest biggest reason for me to exit. Yeah. Unfortunately, most people only learn that they need this when they've held into the bear and watched their portfolio go down. <laughs> so I would love people to listen and just try and take that on board as hard as it is that you have to sell at some point because... You don't want to wait for another four or five year cycle and the cycles may not be as big next time and all that kind of stuff comes into it. You have to sell. 
Otherwise, it's a lot of pain. Mm. All righty. Well, that was inspiring. I like that. But let's move on to some news items now. And so SEC going out and finding some people. I don't know who Soldier Boy is, mate, but uh, you tell us about him and why is he being fined by the SEC? Soldier Boy is a rapper. Uh, he's got some decent tracks out there and he's got a huge following. And I guess it's the SEC's job or uh, to find, <laughs> I think they just go up to everybody at this point. But in this case, they might have been justified in doing it. And so Soldier Boy went and promoted a BTT, a BitTorrent and Tron token. And I'm not sure how long ago that was, but he did promote it to his Twitter followers. His Twitter followers got into it. And now the SC is mad at him and they've decided to come up to him and find him. So sorry about that, Soldier Boy, but I guess you should have looked at <laughs> talk to your lawyers before promoting these tokens. <laughs> yeah, look, we certainly don't know the laws around this, and I certainly have no concept of what you must and must not disclose when it comes to what you're promoting, but mm. I don't know. You would like to think that the public are aware that someone like this, who is a rapper who talks about a crypto project, he's probably getting paid for it. You would think that, but again, it comes back to trust. He's got people that really like him and really trust him. And so they just get on board with him because they've built up this huge level of trust in this person. And that's what an influencer is, isn't it? That's exactly what there is. They build trust and people follow them because of that. I don't know what's right or wrong in here. I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. I don't like Tron or BitTorrent as tokens. My personal point. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And it does seem to be a trend in that these projects are realizing that, holy moly, uh, they've started to exhaust the current DHs that are out there and they go, wow, there's so many people out there who just need an influencer and an interface for them to get in, get in and spend their money. And... Uh, last time we talked about, I think it was a tennis player and a basketball player, Shaq as well, who'd been fined for this for uh, shillings, uh, different tokens, FTX, I think it was. And these guys have realized that they can get to more people using influencers. So I think there do need to be some kind of rules there in that these influencers are not talking to crypto savvy people. They probably they might just be telling them, hey, get this thing. It's going to make me rich. Being an influencer is there with his bling and his gold and his car, and it's and it's almost implies that all you have to do is pick up some Tron, <laughs> and you're gonna live my lifestyle. So I, I guess I kind of do understand how those rules come in, and it, I I'm going to expect to see a lot more because there's somebody who's probably being paid right now to shield something, and it happens in levels. Uh, Soldier Boy is way up there, so is Shark, but there's people who with the thousand X uh, channels who are being paid to share tokens right now as we speak, probably. Yeah, well, remember Matt Damon was promoting Crypto.com. He was in that huge advertising campaign of it. So I don't know where the rules lie and, and what the deal is, but I just put it back to the buyer beware, do some research. Don't just trust someone on any social media is telling you what to buy. Mm. All right, let's move on. So Shiba Inu, the meme token, the developers of that 
are trying to be more than a meme coin. They're trying to do things and they've actually launched their layer two network on Ethereum called Shibinarium, I believe is what they've named it, which is kind of a, I guess, a funny name. But maybe they're not as competent as everyone thinks because they've actually lost $1.7 million worth of ETH when they were trying to bridge to their new layer two. So the guys who you think should be fairly capable at it have actually <coughs> managed to go and lose $1.7 million worth of ETH bridging to their layer two. So why are they doing a layer two is probably something to talk about. Uh, basically, they are trying to get their large community, because they are a large community, to get involved in more things. So they're trying to add value to the Shibu token by creating a layer two and creating a DeFi ecosystem, an NFT ecosystem. So basically, they're just going into competition with all the other layer twos out there, but they're bringing their large community to it. Maybe they'll win. I don't really know. When you've got that big of a community, you can probably do that. I guess they're stepping away from being Dogecoin because Dogecoin is the completed product. It is just trying to be money in itself. It's its own blockchain. It's doing its own thing. Shibuya has decided, well, we're going to be more than just a meme coin on Ethereum network. We're going to be a meme coin that does a few extra things on a layer two. What are your thoughts? Credit to these guys uh, for starting a layer two and finding a new use for a meme coin because... Like you said, Doge has been around for a while and it's done a couple of hijinks like sponsoring NASCAR and I think things in space. So credit to them for being able to advertise themselves. But then the problem with Dogecoin is that in the end, it just becomes another currency out of many. So really cool thing that SHIB, uh, originally being a meme coin, are going up to their own layer to now, uh, depending on how they build it, if they make it interesting enough and if they've got a community. Well, if the community is big enough, what's to stop uh, uh, Uniswap and Avi and other projects from building on top of Shibarium. So credit to them. And uh, I'm a big fan of Shib. I'm sorry that they lost $1.7 million. I hope that's a lesson to everybody. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about that loss. I, I wish them well. And <laughs> But I, it's nice seeing meme coins become other things. Uh, in the previous show, we were talking about the bag. That's another really cool project that is memeing itself into existence by actually creating value and doing really cool things. Yeah, and speaking of, of layer twos and I guess the community that can drive it. So we've talked about it before, Coinbase launched its layer two called Base. So they are getting a lot of you know price action, not price action, they are getting a lot of total value locked. There's a lot of DeFi moving the space. They've gone up to 160 million total value locked on base. So that's really climbing up the ranks of the layer twos. It's got trust. It's got the Coinbase brand behind it. So that brings a whole bunch of people thinking this is a safe ecosystem to work in. So that's why it's kind of getting this. You know, it's halfway to the same total value locked on Sol. Sol's got $300 million total value locked. So base is moving, base is doing things and it's bringing people on board. I think it's really exciting to see. And when you bring those 100 million users of Coinbase into this DeFi mm. ecosystem, of course, it's going to accrue value there. Of course, it's going to have eyes on it. It's why the Uniswaps have you know, launched on there so quickly. I wouldn't be surprised if Aave, if I looked at it's probably Aave is probably considering going on there now. They, they might already be on there. I don't really know. Things happen so quickly in crypto. <laughs> But there's definitely some network effects there because of a trusted brand and a big community to help drive that layer too. It's absolutely nuts. And I think you hit the nail on the head there when you mentioned that Coinbase is there. They've got the trust and they've got the brand, but then they've also got the users. And 
Now, why shouldn't Uniswap come there if they can see a potential where these Coinbase users who are in a Web2 platform, why there's nothing stopping Coinbase from connecting that Web2 uh, wallet into Web3 in that now they can also trade a whole bunch of different tokens besides just what's on Coinbase. But on top of that, even land and borrow, if Uniswap is looking at this, you're probably thinking that could be a pretty big market. It's really crazy the TVL has gone up like that. And so I think in, in a couple of weeks, uh, these are the these are the letters that better start watching their tails because it looks like bases after them hard. Yeah, and it's great for even shareholders of, of Coinbase because base is generating a lot of revenues and that revenue stream actually goes into Coinbase itself. So huge you know, value of, you know, being accrued here by Coinbase, bringing on new users, just great for the space. So I'm really excited to see it. And there, yeah, we just talked about, you know, two layer twos, very different starting points, but communities, big communities behind them. So communities drive markets and we're seeing that in action right now. All the part base. Uh, I really am a fan of Coinbase. I don't use it anymore because I, I prefer decentralized places. And I think I've got bigger choices in Binance and things like that, and the fees are lower. But I think something that Coinbase has done really well is that it's made it so easy for uh, new crypto entrants to get into it. Uh, Binance was really confusing when I first tried to use it, but Coinbase, super easy. Put it in your uh, phone and then just buy Ethereum or Bitcoin. Super easy. So huge credit to Coinbase. Yeah, absolutely. So finally, let's move on to the price action. And this is the first time in I feel about two months where we're actually saying the price has done something. It's gone down. You know, we've had very we've, we've had very stable prices for I feel about two months now, where Bitcoin was just sitting around that thirty thousand dollar mark. Ethereum was sitting around just under about the nineteen hundred dollar mark. But we've seen some movements down. So Bitcoin at the time of this recording is down nine percent. Ethereum's down eight percent in the week. So definitely a downward trend. I guess are we shocked by this? Is this something you were expecting, Will? Not shocked at all. Uh, so there's really nice seasonal indicators out there that not a lot of people look at. And uh, we've said this a couple of times in that Bitcoin and other tokens and other instruments, gold, everything will behave in a certain seasonal way because money flows in certain ways depending on the season. For example, Christmas, there's a lot of travel that might push up the price of oil and that might affect something. So everything does happen seasonally. And whether you're in a bear or a bull, you will still get a seasonal uptrend or downtrend. And looking at these indicators right now, it first of all, there's a massive red candle that's really, <laughs> really all the way down. That's a little bit discouraging if you're expecting it to go up, but I think we're expecting it to go slightly downwards. And the thing is, it's more bearish than is expected in this season. But then I think what we can expect is to be a fairly bearish market into mid-September, after which you start to see like a decent price rise again. I think it's quite funny to see how quickly sentiment shifts in general. Like most people were very bullish. You, know, you and I are bullish, but we keep it with a caveat and that we are still ranging here and it's not breaking out season. It's not going crazy. We've always said that we could easily go back down and retest some lower prices, definitely not anywhere near the lows. But the sentiment I've seen on crypto Twitter and in general is that, oh my God, new all-time lows coming, you know, going back to 15,000. So it's very funny to see how quickly people turn bearish all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. 
I think this is just normal ups and downs of the market. We know it's a volatile market. I'm not worried about this price decline. Could it go further? Yeah, of course it can. Could it go back to 15,000 Bitcoin? Maybe, but I still see it unlikely. But I still think that we are moving out of the bear. We're heading more towards the bull market. So it's just a good time to still be making your positions. So stop worrying so much about these weekly price changes. Stop thinking it's up only. Prices do fluctuate. All I know is that at some point when that bull hits, I my buying is going to see it. So every time that I see a dip that tells me that we're not fully in the bull yet, I go, this is great. That means I can uh, basically get into my position a little bit more. But at some point, my buying will be done and I'm going to start thinking about actually exiting the market when everyone else is getting excited about the price going up. I'm going to start getting excited about actually taking profits. Absolutely, yeah. So this is a great time for people to be building their position still and be less worried about these small-ish movements in price in the short term and zoom out. Always zoom out in that chart and you'll feel a little bit better about yourself, I feel. 100%. All right, well, we will leave it there, guys. If you've made it this far, please like, please subscribe, please give comments so we can help get more people listening to the weekly rant. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Simon. See you guys next time.